Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. This is K-16, Mulholland. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a role-playing game filled with cosmic horror, existential dread, and the constantly running interior monologue of Gary Busey's brain. Your investigators of the unknown are... Brian, as Ben McKnight. I wonder if there's any medical properties that these leeches could help with. I don't know, like bleeding somebody or... Hmm. Lupine, as Rosa Garcia. There's leeches? Wait, what? And Matt, as Diego Kennedy. Uh, who's ready to start the show? Because I hear we got some... Banging fireworks. Welcome, players. How's everybody doing? I'm a few junior mints down, so I should be good to go. Drinking my mint tea. Jesus, it's all mint all the time. I love me some mints. Consent. Likes to rub mint jelly all over. As you well know. (laughs) (laughs) It's the tingly sensation. Right in the crack. (laughs) I'll just be leaving now. Well, speaking of mint, our composer in residence... And fellow croc lover, Chris Parker, recently pointed out that General Mills collaborated with crocs to make monster cereals, versions of Count Chocula, Frankenberry, and Booberry footwear. What? Now, I'm sorely tempted to purchase the Booberry crocs, even though I realize I would almost instantly regret it, since it's such a niche product that can only be worn at certain times, in certain places, in the company of certain people. What's something that you've purchased in the past that you just could not pass up? At the time, you had to have it, but now mostly it sits on a shelf, unused and dusty. Mm, I've got an answer for that. My Quest 2. But here's the great news. I will be soon replacing it with the Quest 3. I'm hoping to get a real good stack of dust on that, Salmish. Oh, yeah. If anybody's in the market for a very rarely used Quest 2, let me know. The only thing I can think of off the top of my head is RPG books that I am like... Oh, I had to have these, and then I never played them or ran them or anything, so they're just sitting on my shelf, and they're like, hey, we're here. Holy crap, you should sell them. They talk to you? Most of my regrets lie within the very dark depths of my Steam backlog. Well, thanks for sharing, guys. Uh, Well, listeners, if you'd like to drop us a letter from beyond, please visit lovecrafttapes.com anytime and fill our contact form. We accept well-considered criticism, fawning praise, and even the Oculus Quest 3. No, two. Three, sir. Uh, We do have one letter. Mike Hadfield wrote, Always excited for new episodes when they drop. Love your collaborative adventures. At a couple of points in the show over the years, Brian has mentioned that he puts together a Halloween haunt. I was curious if he could share a little more about this year's spooky season efforts or if he posts pictures anywhere. Keep up the great work. I can tell you about the haunt that's happening this year, but you got to pay for those pictures. <laughs> we do a fundraiser haunted house every year. And this year is the Fun Fair of Fear. Basically, it's going to be a carnival setting, and it's all clowns. Every single one will be a clown. So looking forward to it. actually did some building of that today. Uh, We're doing a prize booths and little games and stuff you can play. One of ours is going to be like a uh, Nerf gun blast where you shoot the clown head. It's kind of a play on the shooting the water in the clown's mouth to blow up the balloon to pop it. Um, Except once the shot is fired, the clown that's under the table comes out and reaches and grabs them. So appreciate that, Mike. Thank you. Well, this show is brought to you in part by our generous 
fans and supporters on patreon.com slash Lovecraft Tapes. So thank you to Jordy Rose, Barry Robeson, Atulia, Brownie Davis, James Mayo, Chris Parker, Elizabeth Grieve, John Scarcella, The Frilled Shark, Little Rowan Plays, Kyle Sherman, Huge Pie, Amanda Power, Jefferson Bell, Eric Zane, Ripley Iwin, Olda Polkert, Mitch L., Snow, Eric Phillips, Malambra57, Andrew Petty, Dom Driver, Frank Delventhal, Horst Draper, Prophet of Woe, Discordiant, Boston Harbor Horror, David Winterman, Robert Jameson, Luke Corbin, Liz Moonberry, Stephen Gregory, Chainsaw Unicorn, Shelly DM, Captain Vashton, Peter VDB, Flix Capacitator, Shane Stoley, James Brown, Ineptus Destardus, Matthew, Kevin C., Divinia Von Zerovich, Oddity, Phoenix Black, Oritako, Ruined Ashes, Brindle Stubbs, Jay Clark, A.E. Jonesy, Marty Dixon, Ba Tran, Rolling Boxcars, J.R., Kie, Ryan Hill, LMF10, Reaper Jones, Sean McConnell, Poppy Mama, Jeffrey Young, Bifford, Eric Hansen, Holden Omans, Justin Levesque, Phil Campbell, Nicholas Hutto, Rich Pogue, John Caballero, Mikey Sith, John Konopasic, Kevin G., Mick Cope, Robert Lamb, Tomas, Benjamin King, Certain Wizard of Isinglass, Jehovah's Thickness, Steve L., Matt's sister, literally, Don't Forget Cherry, Jeff Howie, Smegbis Grundlegunge, Jack, Robert Lutzner, The Great Scott, and Sarah Wiley. Wow. Thanks, guys. Before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. As my granny used to say, all roads lead to hope, Lucy. Hi, I'm Lucy G. Wells, and today I'm here to tell you about my latest innovation, Smart Roads. Now, you may have heard about my brother Bob's untimely demise last week, and I understand if you have questions or concerns about AI-powered gadgets suddenly rising up against humankind to destroy us. I don't blame you. That's where my brother's short-sightedness got him into trouble, and ultimately got him killed. Rest assured, Smart Roads is not the sentient piece of technology stolen from alien spacecraft and then paired unnaturally with artificial intelligence programming. No sirree, Bob. No pun intended. Smart Roads has been manufactured using a breakthrough scientific marvel that I like to call Intellectual Administration, or IA for short. Here's how it works. Simply get behind the wheel of any Smart Road enabled vehicle of your choice. Wait for the chirp and beep, then say aloud, take me home Smart Road. Within seconds your vehicle will automatically travel to your domicile. Easy, right? There is one minor caveat, however. Whatever you do, do not say or even think of another destination. If you do, our company cannot be responsible if your vehicle delivers you to a taco stand because you're hungry, or Mount Rushmore because George Washington popped into your mind, or the Plateau of Legs simply because you're wondering what the weather might be like in Antarctica this time of year. Just concentrate on home, and only if home happens to have been pre-programmed into your smart road's tracking device. Now, in the unlikely event home is off-planet, 
Our company is hereby absolved of any damage due to pressure or temperature or airlessness. Please read your contract and terms of service beforehand with a lawyer if necessary. Smart Roads is available now at all Greater Auto Shops and Trader Joe's locations for some reason. And we're back! If you found that product and or service in your trick-or-treat bag at Halloween, what flavor would it be? Toe jam. Um, call the cops. This person is trying to give me feet. Apple's an athlete's foot. I was thinking dark chocolate malaise. Mm. Just me, though. I'm in the mood for some dark chocolate. I'm full of malaise, though. Aren't we all? It is time, my friends, to play K-16, tape 11. Do not pass Mandarugo. Do not collect $200. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. Appearances can be deceiving. And it's always better to view the world through multiple prisms rather than jumped conclusions that might steer you in the wrong direction. Rosa attempts to rein in her rising anxiety as the leech zombies overrun Camp Mulholland, and though her trust in adults has gone mostly by the wayside, she's eager for Counselor Lem's return. Ben stands stunned by the appearance of Father Mother, yet his natural empathy opens a pathway to the beast's memories of how it came to evolve in the nearby bog. Diego, with the help of Brigitte Nikki, enlists Harcourt and Lindsay in a scheme to attract and hopefully dispatch the shambling threat that is spreading like wildfire. On this summer night, our Campers of the unknown must test their mettle yet again to fight off a horrific infestation and save the world. Ben, you crouch in the shadows next to the counselor cabin, axe haft clutched tight, listening. Crickets sing from somewhere deep in the woods behind you, keeping their distance, as if they're aware of what will soon happen at the camp and want no part of it. In front of you, shadows given existence by the light of the rising moon stumble around the central unlit pyre site. There is only the sound of their feet dragging on the ground, punctuated by an occasional soft, wet plop in their midst, as more dark, wriggling things are birthed from undead mouths. Then, like a distant battle cry, Brigitte calls from the docks. You're not my leeches! High-pitched squealing noises ring out, 
as though in answer. Some of the teenage corpses begin to slowly lumber in the direction of the lake. Some, but not all. Now that I've heard my cue, I'm going to stretch my arm back as far as I can and visualize where this is going to hit on the other side of all of the leeches and all of the kids. So I'm going to make a secret roll. Oh, of course. So go ahead and give me a throw. I needed a 50. I rolled a 91. I did not. I did, it's, um, it didn't work so well. Tell me what happens instead. Being so nervous, trying to time it perfectly with the loud noises down by the lake, I held on a little too long. And when I let go, it did exactly what I thought it would do. It spun through the air, but it hit the closest kid in the back of the head. So now I'm in panic mode. Yeah, absolutely. The teenage zombie things, um, most of them have turned towards the docks and are moving in that direction. Only two remain towards the pyre. And it was one of those that you bonked in the head. It's going to be a stealth, right? To hide from this thing? It actually might work to my benefit if they can zone in on where I was at. I might be able to sneak around the building and go to the front as they're coming around the back. It might work out well if I succeed at stealth. Okay. I needed a 60. I rolled an 83. That's another failure. Push the roll. Push it. Push the roll. I am going to push it, but what I'm going to do is grab my deck of cards, bend each edge with my finger in the center, and spray them all in all directions so they flutter and fly everywhere. And this will be a push. I need a 60. I rolled a 24. That's hard. The zombie that you hit in the back of the head turns toward you, immediately spots you. The other one that is in the clearing does not seem to be phased at all. It does not pay any attention. It's only this one. And you recognize this young boy, blonde, straw-colored hair, and very thin and gangly. But you do remember seeing him being very athletic in some of the events. Uh, He was running around camp quite a bit and seemed to be surprisingly muscular for someone so skinny. And that form is now moving quickly towards you. And so you reach into your pocket and pull out the deck of cards. There's a moment where something clicks in your head. You're training for magic and illusion. Suddenly you realize it's not going to be just a distraction, but a cover. You are able to spray the cards in such a fashion that it becomes a curtain of cards. And when you release the last card in the deck... It's almost a static wall between you and this creature. Realizing you now have full cover, you retreat quickly back to around the other side of the cabin. By the time the cards drop, you are gone. Nice. And the beast is looking bewilderedly at the cards on the ground. It doesn't see you anywhere. You just hear, huh? Must have been the wind. Ben did toot a little bit there. So there, there was wind involved for sure. Yeah. With that brilliant distraction, <laughs> lost my only good deck of cards. Um, I'm going to enter the cabin. So you creep behind the counselor cabin and peek your head around the other side. It is completely clear. And you quickly shimmy against the side, moving quickly but cautiously. And you peek around the front of the cabin where the door is located. The door is wide open. 
So it's just a dark rectangle in the front. Uh, you can easily spot the stray zombie that had not detected you. Still sort of shambling around the fire site. No trace of the other one that you lost. Step into the doorway as quietly as I can and turn my head to the side so my good ear is facing in. And I'm going to listen for any sounds of crawling or slithering or dropping and on the ground. <laughs> Anything at all that would prevent me from just going in and finding these fireworks and getting the out of Dodge. It seems as though the cabin is completely quiet and empty. And your eyesight slowly adjusts to the darkened interior. A little bit of light is coming through the front behind you from the moon. A couple of the beds are tipped over slightly. There are some drawers pulled out. The bathroom door is wide open and off its hinges. I'm going to step into the room and survey everything and notice the footlocker. Welcome to footlocker. What kind of shoes you're looking for? All right. Why don't you go ahead and give me a spot hidden? Okay, I need a 45. I rolled a 40. That's a success. You do notice a foot locker. I'm going to grab the, the heavy wool blanket that has slipped off of the bed when it was tipped over. And I'm going to put that lightly over top of the foot locker. And once I tuck it back behind the foot locker, I'm going to open it up slowly. That should muffle any squeaks or noises from the lid. Inside, you see a collection of old LA Times magazine. And then there is a copy of Catcher in the Rye on top of that. And then there is a suspect looking leather bag that has a bottle rocket sticking out of it. Reach in. Grab each edge of the leather bag and slowly lift it, making sure it's not going to jostle anything else in the trunk, in the footlocker, and slowly take it out. Can't jostle the junk in that trunk. It's pretty heavy, actually. I thought this was a footlocker. It's probably full of shoes. Once we're done with the footlocker, can we stop at the P.F. Chang's? I'm kind of hungry. Open up the flap of the satchel, spread it open, and see if I can... Catch a glimpse of what's weighting this down so much. Inside the satchel is uh, a fair number of sparklers, a bunch of bottle rockets, maybe a couple dozen. But then there is one very large Roman candle, as well as a couple boxes of matches. At least it's not a very large Roman Catholic. Why were they giving Catholic in a chat? Hey guys, what do you call a sleepwalking nun? A Roman Catholic. Thank you, Cleveland. Rosa. You squat low in the dark next to the canoe. At the water's edge, senses alert as you wait for the signal from Brigitte or Nikki. You're not sure which voice you'll hear, and that contributes to your growing feeling of unease. The image of Diego holding hands with that thing confuses you. Were they going steady? The thought makes your face grow hot. You grip the oar and wait. Soon enough, the signal comes, and it is Brigitte's high-pitched tenor providing a small measure of distraction. With any luck, Ben will grab the fireworks and return to your location in a few minutes. You're watching for his approach from the direction of the camp when an odd noise emanates from the woods on your right, just past the tree line. 
It sounds like a mortar and pestle, a low grinding noise, much like that made when your mother is crushing coriander seeds. I'm going to make a quick roll here. Your mother's grinding. Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. You know they had one of those clubs so close to the footlocker. Just down the mall. You got the footlocker. You got the Sears. You got the strip club. <laughs> I thought Sears was the strip club. Oh. Yeah. Can I see anything? Yeah, go ahead and give me a spy hit, please. I see nothing. With a 68 over a 25, which is a failure. A cloud moves over the moon. And everything sort of goes dark, but you continue to hear that strange grinding noise. I turn to the Great Dane next to me and say, What's that scoop? I'm hoping that they can't hear me if I just stay absolutely still. After a few minutes, the grinding noise stops, but then you hear something big and heavy scuttling away into the underbrush. It went that way, George. My attention is going to be focused on that direction now. Go ahead and give me a listen, please. 57 over 25, which is a failure. So you are very intent upon looking at that patch of dark woods where you heard that thing receding from your location. And it's almost as if the silence is worse than knowing where that thing was, whatever it might be. Your eyes are darting back and forth at the woods, thinking every time a leaf glints in the moonlight or a, a slight breeze stirs something, you think something is going to be charging. And the sweat is just dripping down your body. You're having a rough time keeping a firm grip on the oar because your hands are growing sweaty and your palms are slick with fierce sweat. And at your left elbow, Ben says, I got it. Let's go. Show me. Show me. What? Not here. Zip. Come on. Come on. Pull him down. Pull him down and show me. Hit me in the head with the oar. <laughs> I was very tempted. I think you're too close for me to do that. Like it has a wider arc than that. Not that she doesn't want to. Must kill Ben. All right. All right. Let's go. So I'm going to hop in the canoe and gesture for Ben to join me. Hop over like a bunny and hop in the canoe. Woo! Party time. Excellent. Diego. You sit cross-legged on the raft with Harcourt and Lindsay. Dark crumbs peppering your camp shirts and chocolate icing coating your lips. Silently, you watch each other, eyes darting from face to face, the tension heightening. Then... Brigitte's distraction begins, and you're on your feet watching the shoreline. You can just make out the outline of her shadow, sitting astride Father Mother, who is bobbing in the water below her. In the faint moonlight, obscured by passing clouds at regular intervals, there appear to be several humanoid figures turning their attention to the dock. It was working! The platform beneath your feet lurches suddenly, as if moved by a wave. Your companions don't react, their interest firmly rooted on the action at the beach. Another lurch bucks the raft. 
carefully, you peer over the edge and into the calm water below. And I'm going to need to make a quick roll here. Of course you are. To see whether you get chomped or just fall in. I am going to need you to make a sanity roll, please. You're already insane. Wait, can he not lose any sanity? That's correct. I needed a 29. I rolled a 74. You're looking into the water. And at first, it's just darkness. Then you see something moving deeper, very deep in the lake. It looks like a humanoid figure. And as you watch, it's as if the water clears and you're able to see deeper, more clearly, unobscured, the form of a boy whose features are misshapen. And your mind immediately goes back to Harcourt's story of Joseph. And as that realization hits you that you are looking at Joseph, what you thought was his form just moving in the water, now you can see his hand is actually waving up at you. He's looking directly up at you. And then you realize there are more figures down there. Two figures tied down with chain wrapped around their feet and cinder blocks settled on the bottom of the lake floor. And it's your mother and your father. And they drift in seaweed, fish swimming past them, occasionally nibbling little bits of bloated flesh from their figures. All the while, Joseph waving and smiling up at you. I'm going to look over at Harcourt and Lindsay, set down my ho-hos. And I'm going to do my best approximation at a dive into the water towards my parents. Although it's not all that pretty because I am not graceful. Nor have I ever learned how to dive, so. Belly flop. Cannonball. This sounds like we probably need a swim roll from you. I needed a 20. I rolled a 65, which is a uh, shocker, another failure. Roll for drowned. I remember seeing a movie once where I saw somebody dive, so I attempt to do my best impersonation, but, you know, I haven't seen that movie in a long time, and I was a kid, and I was only really half paying attention. I, like, line up, I put my feet together, I stick my hands together and put them out over my head, and I jump, but I don't propel myself enough forward, so instead of arcing into the water, I just kind of fall flat, and I end up hitting face first, and after I recover from that shock... I uh, try and get as big of a breath of air as I can, and I start swimming down towards the bottom where I saw my parents. And as you get closer and closer, it feels as though you're moving through jello. No matter how hard you kick 
and claw with your hands. You're only diving deeper by inches. Joseph has stopped waving and he's reaching up. And you see that his hand only has four fingers. No thumb. He was born without a thumb. I only got one finger to give to you. (laughs) And he's reaching up toward you as if to help you down to join them. Everything's better down where it's wetter. Why does Joseph have a Jamaican accent? Under the sea. Don't sue us, Disney. You move through this thick liquid enough to where you're just about ready to grab his hand. And you can quite clearly see that your parents are decayed, long dead eyes eaten by eels or wolf fish, whatever is in the deeps of this lake. And then something grabs your ankle and pulls you up. Attempt to inhale a large breath to yell, I'm sorry, as they're dragged away from me. You are only partially aware as Nikki drags you to the back of father, mother. You're sputtering and spewing water. Harcourt and Lindsay are looking on with consternation and fright. Rosa and Ben are disembarking from their canoe onto the raft. Nikki asks, Dude, what were you doing down there? You could have died. (laughs) He asked my parents. Parents? Harcourt, you were right. He's still down there. Uh, Who? who? Joseph. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ, really? And he looks over the edge. Yeah, he had my parents. Dude, uh, I think you better take it easy. Uh, Why don't you hop up on the raft? Clearly, I need to eat more ho-hos. Yeah, get this man some sugar. Stat! Ho-hos for sanity 2024. Oh, hey, Rosa. Hey. Nikki, quick, give Matt's a bath. Oh, yeah, I guess I should do that. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, Harcourt and Lindsay help drag Diego onto the raft. And Ben and Rosa, you are now on the raft. Nikki uh, is going to evidently stay on the back of Father Mother until this situation is complete. Lindsay says, Ben, is that it? You get the fireworks? Yeah, you want to look at my sack? I tried to get him to pull him down and show me. Okay, everybody can look here. I'll open it. Spread it wide. I want to show them the Roman candle, because I think that'll f- keep going longer. I mean, that has to be at least six inches, right? And it's more isolated, so it will pull all of them at once to the same location. We got to be careful, because we don't want it to hurt us when it goes off, because it's. I think it's going to be a big one. Look at that thing. It's almost eight inches long. That's it? Lindsay pulls out her notebook. We can use the sparklers and the bottle rockets at the same time. And now that you found that Roman candle, we could do that too. But we also got to like yell the loudest we can. It's all right here where we wrote it down before. What are we yelling? I don't know. Just yell loud. Loud! The point is to try to attract them, right? Is this a good time? Should we start now? Harcourt, am I carrying this party or what? <laughs> Rosa pushes her off into the water. <laughs> so we have bottle rockets. Where are we setting them off from? Because usually you put them in a bottle. Collectively, you guys got to figure out how to do this. Everybody, check your inventory. Wow, I got a bunch of empty bottles in my inventory. Oh man, look at all those bottles. 
I'm going to start searching the raft to see if there's like a little hole or anything that I could stick the sticks in. Uh, maybe there's a gap in between the boards that'll hold it up, right? So there are some uh, holes at each corner. And is it big enough that if we got to the other end of the raft, we might sort of maybe? Yeah, bottle rockets are not exactly super dangerous. PSA. Fireworks aren't dangerous at all. Call me Stumpy. Harcourt says, uh, what, what if we did the Roman candle in the middle? That that makes sense. We just stand on the outskirts and, and then we do our little sparkly thing. and We might as well go out with a bang. Okay, here's my thought. The Roman candle is going to be lots of hotness and fire and shooting sh- everywhere. Don't threaten me with a good time. What if we put that on the front edge and then we all go to the back edge and start lighting off the bottle rockets. Could we set it in one of the canoes and like push the canoe out a bit? Oh, that's a good idea. Even if it does tip over, it could start the canoe on fire, which will be even more of a distraction. Are the canoes wood or are they metal? Roll for material. Yeah, give me a luck roll, Rosa. See, it failed, so it's metal. We won't have to worry about them starting on fire, and it'll still make a larger distraction because it'll make a lot of noise into the metal. Could we prop them up against the seat? Does uh, anybody have like a lighter or some matches we can use to light these things off? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of matches in this satchel. You sack us some matches? Okay, so I'm going to start handing out the bottle rockets. Give a few to each person, div- dividing them up. Go get them set and prepped. And then here's some matches for you. I'm going to hand each person a thing of matches fire (laughs) ow i'm gonna set the roman candle down in the base of the canoe so it's like right in the center and then i'm gonna be responsible for lighting that and pushing the canoe off as the wick burns down once you guys do your bottle rockets go ahead and grab the sparklers and start screaming let's just let's be as loud as we can going to get the 40-piece orchestra I have assembled on the far shore ready to play the 1812 overture as the Roman candle goes off. I carry a 40-piece orchestra with me wherever I go. Big brass band. All right, you guys ready? Yes. I'm going to light this. As soon as I do, you guys start. And I'm going to bend down and light the Roman candle. As soon as that wick starts sizzling, I'm going to push the canoe towards the shore. And everybody begins... Lighting bottle rockets and sparklers, and Harcourt and Lindsay start hooting and hollering. Hooting, hollering. Hey, look over here. Yelling. Cooperwell. Loud, yelling. Look over here. Noises. Look over here. Loud. I have a button for the 1812 overture, but we'll we'll just let you imagine that. Thanks. You're hooting and hollering and firing off bottle rockets, and Ben looks at the canoe just as the wick reaches the bottom of it, and it seems like it might be a dud. Guys, we gotta make more noise. It didn't go off. Loud noises. Louder noises. Ah, Louder noises. Yelling really loud. Hey, leeches. We're loud. Hey, motherfucking leeches on a motherfucking beach. I'm on a raft. I look at Rosa. (laughs) Hey, anyone else hear that? It sounds like Darude Sandstorm. So, uh, after a few moments you see in the moonlight figures moving towards the docks they're moving almost as if they're puppeted oh no tim burton's here means danny elfman can't be far behind they clamber down the hill and you can see like a little puffs of dust as the leeches in front of them provide the vanguard towards whatever this cacophony you guys are creating and you hear any more gun in the background doom doom 
you're very gratified to see them mindlessly walk to the edge of the dock and step off. Yes. Yes. It's like lemmings. It's almost like what we did worked, you guys. Harcourt and Lindsay begin clapping and making even more noise. I'm going to need each of you to make a spy hidden, please. With a penalty die, please. It's fine. I failed, so it doesn't matter. Okay, I needed a 45. I rolled a 95. I rolled a 45 over 25. You do see several of the uh, leech zombies disappear into the water at the end of the dock, and you're unable to tell in the shadowy moonlight who they might have been. After a few moments, silence. You don't detect any other movement on the docks or up near the camp. Someone want to uh, make a quick trip over there and uh, make sure there aren't any surprises waiting for us? Well, we only have one canoe now. It's not on fire. We just got to go to it. Someone just has to go out and get it and bring it back, yeah. You're already wet, Diego. All right. We're going to jump back into the water. I don't think we should send Diego by himself. (laughs) No, it's fine. I got this. I'm going to jump into the water. The Roman candle goes off. Oh, that's going to allow us to see better, though, on the beach, see if there's any stragglers. Excellent. Good point, Ben. Why don't you go ahead and make a spot hidden? I needed a 45 roll of 77. If you guys could see the wave of red that's in our rolls right now. The dud Roman candle, which is not a dud, suddenly goes off, illuminating the entire lake area. It's uh, one of those kind of uh, Roman candles where it shoots like three balls up. <laughs> balls. And explodes. Into, and so you get this beautiful fireworks display. It's red, white, and blue, leftover from July 4th. 1812 overtures going in the background. <laughs> All right, so what, why don't you give me a spot hidden, Diego? Holy fucking shit. <gasps> uh, I needed a 50 and I rolled an 18. That's a hard success. Praise be to RN Jesus. Diego jumps in the water and you can't help yourself. You have to know if what you saw down there is still there. Is Joseph waiting for you with your parents? And so you quietly dip below diving beneath the surface and this time you are aided by the first burst of the roman candle from above the water and you get a clear picture of what is really down there nothing except a large chunk of Strange-looking volcanic rock about the size of a school bus. But that's it. Just a lump of rock. Give it a dollar. And so as you turn away, relieved that you don't see your parents down there anymore, another burst from the Roman candle goes off. And this time, you're looking towards shore. And you see over half a dozen humanoid figures in the distance, underwater, being torn apart by fish. Screw those kids and their families. (laughs) Yeah, screw those kids and their families. It's all in the way you say it and the pauses that you take. Turn around and use the momentum from popping back up to the surface to aid me in getting back onto the raft. And you do. You pop up and haul yourself onto the flat platform just as the third Roman candle explosion occurs. 
And you're able to see, with that beautiful spot hidden, a few kids on the opposite shore wandering to the edge of the lake on that side and waving to you. Guys, guys, I'm going to kind of like reach out and just tap anybody that's immediately around me. <gasps> look, look, they're, they're, they're over there. Point at the kids on the other shore, and I'm going to start both hands like waving at them. And you see them getting into canoes and begin paddling toward you. Oh, lovely. They're going to sink the raft. Get your spears ready. <laughs> I'm going to have to vote you off the raft. I'm sorry. Please turn in your spear. They are alive. Did you see something, Diego, at the beach? And I'm going to uh, look over and see what Harcourt and Lindsay are doing right now. Watching the fireworks and hugging each other. I'm going to pull Ben and Rosa into a little huddle. Guys, I saw something on the bottom of the lake bed uh, that's a little weird. What was it? Looked like a a big hunk of rock. I bet you that was a meteor. Big black rock. I had something happen to me when... I first saw Mother Father. I think it might have been the Reach. We connected, and I saw their whole life. Oh, so now you're friends on Facebook, huh? Now you can write their biopic or whatever? Do they want you to sell essential oils? That's how they got here, is through the meteor that crashed into the lake. Do you remember the the stuff with the fungus and how it was there was a meteor involved with that, too? What's this about a fungus? Are these connected? I'll go back and listen to the last case of the podcast. I'm just really hoping there's some epic ass slapping in there some way, you know. It was a really weird adventure, but we finally sort of fixed it. It had something to do with a weird rock from outer space or something. That's when everyone begins to hear a low rumbling sound. A familiar low rumble it's the bus and indeed ben recognizes the sound of the bus as it pulls into the main camp area and honks the horn (laughs) and the door opens in the distance you can see up the hill the figure of lem gets out and todd the bus driver and lem begins calling to you Hey, guys, come on, hurry up. We got to get out of here. Well, time to boot scoot and buggy. Brigitte, on the back of Father Mother, has moved slightly around the back of the raft. Calls out to Diego. I think that's my cue. We've got to go. Are you sure you won't reconsider? Trust me. It's a tempting offer. But if you can make your family work... Maybe I can find a way to make mine work, too. Okay. Well, good luck, and maybe we'll meet again someday. Maybe. And father-mother plunges into the lake, and the two disappear. Oh, I was hoping for a kiss mid-change. Rosa was watching carefully to make sure that Diego chose to come back with us, because (laughs) I was about to muscle him into the canoe. See ya, losers. He does that dive, but he can't dive, so he just belly flops. Uh, So, yeah, you guys have a single canoe, but the good news is there are uh, at least three canoes coming from the other shoreline with um, about a half dozen kids, a couple in each canoe. So there's room for you guys to all pile in. We can distribute. You all pile into the canoes and make your way back to camp. 
uh, heading for the beachhead instead. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the dock, the water is sort of churning, and there's little bits of child floating on the top. They're children. We're children. children. <laughs> and as you reach the shoreline, uh, Lem comes running up. Uh, are, are, are you all that's left? Yeah, it's been crazy. All the zombies are gone. We have to go. Zombie? Oh, t- tell me in the bus, okay? Uh, have you seen Tammy? Oh, about that. Um... Tammy got taken. Or changed or she had to go get change okay uh well the authorities are on their way so they'll look around but meantime we've got to get you kids out of here thank Uh, you your folks are waiting back at the motel no tell motel they can uh check in but they can never leave lem is rushing you guys into the bus where todd is like hey little dudes hey todd did you have a good time hey let's go all right all right let's let's hit the road man looks like this problems put my sunglasses in the drink you just hear a distant, yeah! Todd peels out, turning on some uh, Black Sabbath on the radio. Lem is sitting facing you guys, all the rest of the students. And you're quite disheartened to see how few students there are left. Campers, rather. Lem is like, so glad you kids are okay. Uh, I picked up a lift from this, shall we say, farmer. Farmer. He gave me a lift uh, into town uh, on his truck. Could have called an Uber. What'd you give him, ass, cash, or grass? Rules of the road, man. Uh, once I got back uh, and started calling for some medical assistance for Peter, uh, you probably know now he was dead. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of obvious. But he wasn't dead all the way. The authorities found the corpse of Brigitte near her home in L.A. Oh, yeah, I found Nikki out here in the woods. Yeah. Let did you know about this stuff before we got here? No. Hmm. Someone was researching about missing people. Oh, maybe Tammy. We thought it might have been you. That's why you left so quick to get help, because you knew something was happening. It was because Peter was dead. I had to get somebody out here to take him away. I had to tell the kids that he was just sick. I'm going to lean in and kind of look down over my sunglasses. I'm telling you this because I like you, but you might want to let sleeping leeches lie on this one. eh? And then you hear Todd up front go, holy shit. And everyone looks out the front of the bus to see Tammy and Peter, but they've somehow merged to create one scuttling creature their bones knit together two heads on elongated necks scuttling toward the bus todd yeah step Step on on it it. i'm on it little dude and he floors it and hits head on smacks into blood and gore bits of oh no blood oh Oh, shit, blood. Diego just passes out. Thankfully, he had his shades on, so. (laughs) I can't see literally anything, but I'm not going to let anybody know that because I think I look really cool with these shades. And the bus rambles on down the back roads away from Camp Mulholland. Tune in next time as we play another reel of the Lovecraft tapes. Woo! It's real? Oh my god! And Matt, you're still alive, ish. But Diego's gonna need some uh... <laughs> TLC, baby. I have 29 <laughs> sanity. Diego's gonna be going to therapy. Note to self: all characters from now on are gonna have 80 sanity.
All right, guys. Well, now it's time for some hashtag recommendos where we share some of our geeky obsessions. I'll start us off, guys. So years ago, a friend introduced me to a band called Porcupine Tree. And as with most modern prog rock bands, they wore their influences on their sleeves. Pink Floyd, Tool, Yes, Jethro Tull, etc., etc. In other words, sweet, sweet nectar for yours truly. As I grew more obsessed with their early stuff, I became aware that the band's founder, Stephen Wilson, was involved as an influential member of several other groups, Blackfield, Pineapple Thief, etc., etc. Well, it didn't take long for Wilson's talent to branch out into solo projects. I've listened to his work grow and evolve since 2008, and his seventh solo album, The Harmony Codex, just released last week. Now, musically, his productions involve complex layers of sonic tracks mixed with a variety of vocals. Most are his own, but he's unafraid to bring on other talent to harmonize or provide a counterpoint point of view for his dense lyrics. In previous albums, he's explored different sounds from various eras, varying from feel-good pop to horror movie soundtrack to political polemic, shifting to surreal jazz riffs with ease. Always, his lyrics mirror the universe around us and anchor with emotion. Wilson's technical mastery of sound is legendary, and he has been tapped to remix old albums from King Crimson, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, Marillion, Tears for Fears, and many more. So, if you're a lover of progressive rock, I would urge you to close your door, turn down the light, slap on some good headphones, and listen to the Harmony Codex. It's quite good. I've been listening to it nonstop for a week, and uh, it's only deepened my appreciation. So, check that out. How deep? All right. uh, Next up, we have Lupine. I know that I am probably not the only one who is looking to uh, limit my sugar intake. I really like iced tea and buying the jugs of iced tea. It's not great for the environment because of the plastic, and it's also not great for your wallet. I've been trying to find good iced tea to make. At first, I was boiling tea and then letting it cool, but I actually found this thing called cold brew hibiscus from the Republic of Tea. I can tell you I love this stuff. Personally, I love hibiscus flavor. I know that hibiscus isn't really a lot of people's jam, Right now, there's they only have three flavors, and they're all hibiscus with something. So my favorite is the uh, hibiscus with aronia blackberry, because it has that nice, sweet flavor to counteract the bitterness of the hibiscus, the sort of sour, bitter taste. This stuff is super easy. Each of these little cans comes with six tea bags in it, and the tea bags each make one quart of tea. And all you do is put them in room temperature or cold water and just let them steep for 10 minutes. And then you take it out and it's amazing. I have a pitcher that does 100 uh, ounces, so uh, I usually do three of these it worked perfectly. I mix it with uh, country time lemonade uh, and make half and half. You know, it's good just to drink by itself. And so I highly recommend the Republic of Tea Cold Brew Hibiscus. Thank you, Lupine. And Brian, you are up next. There's a new show on Amazon Prime that's in the same universe as The Boys. It's called Gen V, and it's basically Vought is Groom, which is the large company that invented the uh, serum that turned all of the people into superheroes. And it's a college for up-and-coming heroes or entertainers, depending on how they're classified. You're following the struggles of these people throughout their college career 
realizing what they're getting into and what they're being groomed for. Kind of revolting against it a little bit. So you get some really cool superpowers, some really gross superpowers that you get to see. Over-the-top gore, of course, which is my jam. I like that. Not on toast or anything, just in general. Three episodes out so far. It's a weekly release, which I kind of like because otherwise I'm binging and I don't do anything else but that until it's done. But very impressive so far. The acting is great. Younger group of people. There are a few actors in it. So it's got a couple famous people in it, but not a lot. It's set after... The current season of The Boys. So you're kind of getting the in-between what's happening before the next season of The Boys comes out. So you get that little filler in there. It's kind of nice. They're all talking about it. Can you believe this happened and to this superhero and all that stuff? So yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. The storyline is, is decent because, you know, they're always up to no good. And these people are realizing that in order to be a hero, you might have to fight against the people who are making you heroes. Check it out. It's called Gen V, Amazon Prime. Thank you, Bri. And Matt, why don't you close us down? I got a a really great party game for everybody. Uh, It's called Party Animals. Uh, What it is, is it is a absolutely hilarious, chaotic party game where it's you and your friends fighting with or against each other through a series of mini games that involve mostly trying to kill each other. What's great about this game, though, is not only do you play as a really great variety of really cute animals, but it's on that same kind of floppy physics engine as something like Human Fall Flat. You're running all over the place. You're, you know, not only punching, but you're headbutting and you're drop kicking each other and you can pick people up to try and throw them off the edge of things and there are items falling from the sky so you have people swinging frying pans and shooting crossbows it's a whole lot of chaos but it is an absolute blast so if you're looking for something that you and your friends can do that you don't have to worry about taking seriously uh, you're looking just to you know have a good time um, and you don't mind a little bit of competition i'd say go ahead and give party animals a try thank you matt And that's going to be it for this episode and this case of the Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, visit lovecrafttapes.com for up-to-date information about our podcast and subscribe to our live streams at twitch.tv slash lovecrafttapes or youtube.com slash lovecrafttapes. You can chat with me in real time at discord.lovecrafttapes.com And if anybody can point Will Wheaton my way, I really want to just, you know, let him know how much I appreciate his uh, transmittable dice curse. Tell him to find me on Blue Sky and Mastodon at The Real Weird Kid. I promise it won't be anything bad at all. Just, you know, some nice words. Please stop sneaking up on me in the woods. Please, please stop. You can just leave me a note. So leave me a note at uh, at my Linktree slash Lupine Vendetta, all one word. Just leave me a note. It's, very, it's so much more civilized. Um, I prefer to be snuck up on in the woods, so I'll be waiting for you to sneak up on me. On that new social media platform, The Woods. The Woods. <laughs> Until next time, roll for Joseph. And the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2023. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.